press play on the inside inside sales show powered by the sales iq network my name is daryl prale i'm your host and you my friend well you and i we're going on a journey every single week talking to the industry's most accomplished sales legends as they share with us their tips their tricks their techniques and their tactics to become sales rock stars you simply need to do what they're doing and you will achieve similar nirvana if you like to laugh you like to be entertained if you like to go off on tangents and tell stories you're gonna love what you're gonna hear next sit back relax it's gonna get real It's another week here on the inside, inside sales. Honest question, how many of you, how many of you listen to this show religiously every week? Put your hand up. There's not enough hands up. What the hell's up with you folks? How many of you listen to this periodically? You listen to it once in a while, perhaps just, you know, based on the title. Is it based on the title, which ironically, there's a sales lesson there, right? Because we always tell you the importance in email, the most important thing is your subject line. That's what prompts them to open it or not. Just like in LinkedIn, the most important thing is what happens before the read more that prompts me to stop and dwell and consume or move on. So what I'm hearing you say is, Prail, I'm not listening to them every single week because you have to work on your actual titles. You have to hook me better. Is that what you're saying to me? If that's what you're saying to me, fair enough. I accept that criticism. And, it's a, and I do that on purpose just to make my point about the importance of subject lines. That's my spinning job. What do you think of that? The point of the matter is, I don't know if you're aware of this, kids. We are approaching, we are approaching 200 episodes. We are now officially in the 190s. That's right. We're in the 190s. The countdown is on to episode 200. We started off this show originally, I think it was once a month. <laughs> and then we quickly said, that's stupid. And we went to once a week. But you do the math. It takes a long time to get to that many episodes. So I'm, I'm pretty excited. I mean, my math says it's almost four years. It's crazy. And I look at people out there who've got like 600 and 700 episodes. And I'm like, oh, man, so much respect to them and the effort they put into this but it is, it is a process. It is a slog. And the funny part about that is when you have that many episodes, it's like, which ones are the good ones? Which ones are the ones that you go back to over and over and over again? I love asking that question. a related question. I'll say, what's your top episode? What's your favorite episode that you've listened to? Or what's your favorite guest? Or what's the top three guests that you like us when we have them on? And what do they talk about? What are the topics you like that we've covered? That kind of stuff. And I find it, you know, insightful. I mean, we try to cover everything. So when you get those answers, I'm not necessarily going to change the topics and the guests I bring online. But it's always interesting to see what resonates with people and, you know, the kind of content. It's probably not unlike how when you sell. When you sell... You've got a you've got a, these inventories, these repositories, right? You may have a repository of openers you use on a phone call. You may have a repository of email templates or frameworks or, or, or messaging. You may have a repository of content and that you pick and pull and choose from all these repositories based on the application. I always think of that as the best of. You know, these are my go-to sales scripts. This is my go-to piece of content. That's what it's all about. 
Well, on that same spirit, I was really inspired. Almost, I don't want to say it because it's going to go to their head. Almost proud of the gig that went down not too long ago. It was Growth Month put on by AutoClose. Now, full disclosure, I was the CRO at ManilaSoft. AutoClose was under my purview, but I had nothing to do with this. Growth Month took place after I left. And Growth Month featured 47 speakers at doing 45 talks. So think about that. 45 talks over the course of a month. It goes back to that repository. You know, of those 45 talks, I consumed them all. What are the talks that impacted me the most? What are the talks that I need to say that, that is a nugget that I need to incorporate into my daily grind and to make myself 1% marginally better or share with my colleagues or bring back to management? What are the top nuggets of those 45 sessions? If I were to go back to anybody and say, listen, I listened to all 45 sessions, but this, this, my friend, you need to go listen to these sessions. They'll change your freaking life. But I look at 47 speakers. That's a lot of wisdom there. Again, we're approaching you know, episode number 200, which means I've had 200 speakers, but in one month, they had almost a quarter of what I've had in one month. And it's taken me years to get here. So that's a boatload of smart people in a very concentrated space. So there's two ways we can handle this. I can send you over to autoclose.com or to VanillaSoft. I'm sure you can probably find it from both places. And you could go and listen to those sessions on demand. And you probably should. You probably absolutely should. In fact, you might want to go do that after today's podcast based on what you're about to hear. Or you can say, nay, nay, I want the Cliff's Notes version of that growth month. I want the best of the best. I want to know what are the winning elements in that repository of content. And I say that, my friend. It's a fantastic idea, which is why I brought the man behind the mic. Are you in sales, but you're not using a sales engagement tool? Then you're probably losing out on revenue because you are not engaging with prospects at the right time, with the right cadence, and with enough persistency. You need VanillaSoft. Go to VanillaSoft.com. The host who sent out all the invites to all 47 speakers and asked them to RSVP. The individual who is desperately seeking validation since I've left because he recognizes he's nothing without me, the one, the only, and by the way, if you're not following him, you should, Ollie Whitfield, the leader of the growth marketing movement there at Vanilla Soft. Ollie, my friend. How are you? That was a glowing intro, apart from one bit, which is totally wrong. But, but yeah, nice to see you again, sir, and, and good to be back. I think I was, I was on the podcast probably 90-something episodes or, or around the 100 mark. So it's curious timing. I'm now quite close to the 200. I'm thinking maybe I have to come back and interview you, something kind of hardcore like you did with Benjamin for the 100s, I think, if I've got that right. You got any ideas? Around? I've been thinking about that one. I'm starting to think. I'm wondering... Do I bring Benjamin back for number 200 and we do it again? Or do I go a completely different route? And for those who have missed it, in episode 200, uh, 100, what I did was I turned the tables. Instead of me interviewing my guests, I had my guests interview me. 
but I needed a good guest who would actually tr mistreat me and abuse me and not try to suck up to me. And of course, that is UK's most hated sales trainer, Benjamin Dennehy. Great show. Go listen to it if you want to get a good laugh. What, what do you think I should do for episode number 200? And by the way, folks listening, if you have an idea, hit me up on Twitter, hit me up on LinkedIn. We'd love your ideas. Ollie, though, but you're, you're the head of growth. Like, you're the man. This is what you do for a living. What would be an epic approach to truly celebrate episode 200. I think knowing you, the fluff leader that you are, you need some sort of hot fire, quick fire question scenario where you're going to get, for example, cold calling or cold email. And you're going to have to answer, but there is no true right answer. You're going to kind of have to make up your reasoning, but you're kind of always going to be wrong, which is true because it's you. But also true because, you know, there's a, there's an argument for both. And I think it's going to trigger a lot of the people listening. It's going to be thought-provoking one. You're going to get a lot of comments on it where they disagree with you passionately about a lot of the things. So I think that could be a kind of prayer spin on sales and marketing or something like that. How's that sound? I really like that idea. That could be really kind of fun. But at the same time, you also inspired me with something you just said there. And I can go down a different path. So this is us keeping you guessing, folks. We don't want you thinking that you know what's happening. We want to be surprised. You kind of inspire me. Another, another consideration above what you said, we could do a modern version of the dating game where I act as the hiring manager and we have three individuals whom I can't see, of course. And I ask them questions from behind the curtain. And these are three sales candidates or at least fictitious sale candidates. And I have to ask them odd questions to hear their responses to see who I want to proceed with the hiring on. But I can say something like, sir, what's the most controversial thing you've ever emailed to a prospect and what was the result of that and how did you measure success and then we'll say oh i measured my i sent my phone number and i and i managed to entice a young attractive individual to spend quality time with me and i closed the deal and the commission was really big i don't know you see what i'm saying here it's a completely inappropriate session but it could be interesting i don't know or not this could be a totally bad idea I think that sucked. No, that would, that would be quite good if you had the visual. That would, that would make it really come to life. <laughs> and on that note, it sucked. All right, so this is what I've asked Ollie to do. I said, Ollie, with all those 45 talks, I would like you to come back and give me your top takeaways. And this is what Ollie has done. Ollie has come prepared in rapid fire session. We're not going to give him any more than, oh, I don't know what, three minutes each maybe? Three minutes each. I should get my phone out. We could actually make this a timer thing and really bust them. Let's have some fun. This is new. He didn't know this was coming. This is happening in real time. I'm going to get my timer out. I want to set it for three That's minutes okay, each. You, you three can pressure minutes. me. I got it. No problem. Three minutes per topic, and then you'll hear the recording happen. So I said, Ollie, I need to know what are your top takeaways. Now, I'm thinking he's going to give me the top three, maybe the top five of a full month's worth of content at Growth Month. Instead, he says, Daryl, nay, nay, I'm going to give you the top six because I go even. I ain't odd. Okay, there we go. That's all you need to know about Ollie right there. So top six takeaways you have. One takeaway, you've broken this down into categories for us. So if you're curious about the categories are, folks, categories are as follows. Prospecting, sales skills, brand, acquisitions, which... Is not necessarily a sales topic, but hey, it's all part of growth month. That's part of growing. Bootstrapping and leadership. Six takeaways. Are you ready to go? And we'll do it one at a time. I'll set the time. I'll say go and you do your thing. You ready? 
I can do that. You want to pitch in or are you going to go straight to the three No, we're doing straight this time. My pitch in will be between little bits, little sound bites. So right. you, you get three minutes max, okay? Right, the first one is on prospecting. Mr. Ollie Whitfield, head of growth from Vanilla Soft, the man himself, the legend. You should follow him if you don't. He's active on Twitter and on LinkedIn. Let's talk prospecting. Go. Right. So the hot thing at the moment, especially in cold email, is frameworks. And that is not templates or if you're English, templates. Templates are where something's pre-written. You might change a couple of words, handful of words within the entirety of the email, maybe name, company, role, something like that. Framework is how to write, where to write, and what to say roughly. So you might have, for example, Josh Braun's one, which is TTTT, which is, if I'm going to remember it now, trigger event, third-party validation, teach me and tell me. That's his four sentences in how he writes his email. So those are sort of according to the sessions, mine, a bunch of the speakers were talking about it. If you're not really writing to a framework, you're freestyling, kind of difficult, and you get things all jumbled up in a jarring order, not quite so fun to read. For cold calling, bit of a mixed bag, to be honest with you. A lot of the speakers were telling me they can't live without the script, but they don't necessarily stick to it. Some were telling me, you know what, I've never used the script, I hated them. What I got from that is it's probably good to start with, but then once you build your unconscious competency, you move away you become sort of your own style, basically. And you, and you use some of it, much like the email, you use some of it, but then you can move away and do your own kind of thing. That's what I got, Mr. Pro. How, how far are we on the timer? Wow, you use a grand total of a minute and 20 on that one. That's impressive. That was it. Or said another way, you were really fast and don't read into that, but you know, Feel free to read into that. So with that said, every every out there is going, did he just say what I thought he said? And then they're giggling. I he love did. the framework thing. And I have tried and tried and tried to tell reps to do this. And I find it's something they absolutely resist, even though they know it's there. And you give it to them and you give them examples. And it's not that they resist. They go, oh, that's great. And then they go and write the emails and totally ignore the frameworks. Are you seeing that? And if so, what's your response to people who do that or, or or what? I mean, it's an open mic, open topic. Yeah, a little bit. Seen it, heard it. A lot of the time when you're talking about this stuff, you hear you're kind of in the crowd with the people who agree. So they're kind of going to say, yeah, great. I love it. Let me try that. And anybody who I've ever heard talk about it has succeeded or at least seen an improvement when they have tried it. The thing that I've had to try and do if if we're seeing maybe even agreement or even disagreement I tried to use it and show that it actually worked. And then it's not just like someone saying, you should do this, you should do that. It's a little bit of show me, tell me type of thing. Instead of just telling you, I've actually shown you, here is how it worked. Here's exactly what I said. And it worked in this way. Maybe not as good as I thought, better than I thought, whatever it is. Just as transparent as possible. So that's, that's I haven't had to do too much of that, but that's what I've done. So some really smart people. He mentioned Josh Brown. You can check him out. Bilal Balari, another fantastic example of an individual who's really solid at this one. Another example whom we have coming up on the show in the next, it's called within the next 10 episodes. Something I don't want to give it all away. Will be Sam McKenna. She's phenomenal. She's no, you know her for Show Me You Know Me. Another example of an individual also coming on the show in the next, shall we say, 10 episodes, Jason Blissful Prospecting, if I recall. So those are people you should check out, folks to get your ideas of takeaways. And if that's not enough, you can go back to Growth Month at the Autoclose or the Vanilla Soft websites and you can watch those sessions in their entirety. But I also know that both Ollie and I did some content on that too. Maybe a webinar or something. So check it out. You'll like it. 
Okay, my friend, that was it. You did awesome under prospecting. Now we're going to sales skills. Your top takeaway after 45 talks at Growth Month is what? Pretty much LinkedIn and video are king, queen, prince, princess, and everything in between at the moment. Though, one of the big things Bryn Tillman talked about, and she's a, a specialist of LinkedIn. She knows everything. She's the expert. She was telling me, look, it's it's a bit different now than it even was maybe six months, a year ago. And maybe even today on the day we're recording this, a lot of people in my feed are talking about, hey, don't post links. Don't be the first person to comment in your own post. Any of those things. They're really catching on to the sort of tricks that people are doing. Even the whole... You know what I'm talking about. Write a post and it has one line, then it has three line breaks, then another line, three more line breaks, and then another line and it carries on like that. They're even ironing that out. So pretty much you're just going to have to find your own voice. It sounds incredibly cringy and just, I don't want to even say the word authentic because it's just, yeah, we know, like I should be myself, shouldn't I? But that's pretty much what's seeming to work. And if you think about it, if I wanted to become, let's say, YouTuber, what would I do? Well, do I become like a football soccer YouTuber? Do I become a gaming person? I don't know. Do I become a marketer? Why don't I just do me and whatever things of that I want to do, uh, you know, if they're going to like it, then they'll, they'll like it and they'll follow it. Now, much like you were saying at the very start, you don't listen to every single one of these podcasts because you're going to pick and choose what you want. But you're probably here because you like Daryl for whatever reason. I'm kidding, of course, but you kind of pick and choose because you, you trust him to do a good job when you want to do it. So that's kind of the thing there. And video, it's it's still not really that popular. Like despite contrary, like you see it all the time. You hear about it all the time, everywhere. I, I see video, bomb, bomb, everyone. It's still so, so small in the grand scheme of things. Some people are amazed, amazed to see a video when you send them it. They can't believe it. It's never happened to them before. I probably had three in my life. And I'm within the little bubble where video is so prevalent. So maybe if I get a really senior job, I'll get more, but I still don't think it's going to be that much. Video is still very, very underutilized. Exactly two minutes. Look at him showing up. Not bad, huh? Ass. You're doing well, man. You're doing well. Yeah. So where do I start? It's in. You want to look up a fellow named Richard Vanderblom. Vanderblom? B-L-O-M, Vanderblom. And he's out of the Netherlands every single year around September time frame. He releases a report, I think he's at three or four years now, where they've done a, a boatload of analysis trying to decipher the latest and greatest algorithm of LinkedIn. And that's why you see people saying, don't be the first to comment, don't edit it for an hour, etc. You know what? You want three hashtags unless you're creator mode, then you want four or five hashtags, the list goes on. And the polls are popular because the algorithm values dwell time. Videos only have a nominal bump in reach unlike a couple years ago where videos had a massive bump in reach and you were seeing a lot of videos happening. So, and that's for your regular posts. So Richard Vonderblum, very, very good. In fact, I just shared all of his content here with the crew at Agora Bolts and we're a social media platform and they hadn't heard of Richard and they were like, oh my God. And my sales reps were like freaking out on it and going, this is incredible. I'm like, there you go, boys and girls. So great stuff on the, on the sales skills on the LinkedIn. As for video, I've had this conversation over and over again. So the downside is you have to be connected to send a video or an audio message to somebody, okay? Which is why your connection request can't just be a connection request without a personal note. And the personal note can't just be, hey, I sell widgets. 
It's got to be something relevant and contextual and hyper-personalized that compels them to accept you because you feel like we're kindred spirits. And then you can send them a video. And the best part of a video, it's good for prospecting, but even better, when they start to ghost you or they become unresponsive, when you send an audio or a video message to them, it's like 90% of the time they respond out of guilt. So like, yeah, I know. I promise to get back to you and it hasn't happened. And like you, no one's doing it. And it still blows my mind. Reps, serious question. We tell you all these tricks, you nod your head, you say yes, and you don't do it. Send it in on social media. Tell me, please, why don't you do it? Because this is pure gold. Every single expert out there, we mentioned Bryn Tillman, that's a good example, but there's lots of people out there who are just like Bryn. Bryn's one example, you can get Daniel Disney, another example, you can get Vivica and Rosen, another example, the list goes on. Check out these people, they will make you experts. When it comes to video, check out the folks at Vidyard. Tyler Lassard is a good example, but there's many, many, many too. So there you go. Those are sales skills. Now we're going to go to brand. Brand, your top takeaway on brand. You have three minutes, go. Okay, we didn't actually have too much on this. It was mainly personal brand and then one about sort of company-wide brand. But the personal brand thing, I've been spending a lot of time thinking about this, investing a lot of my time, energy, and the team is helping me a lot. It's still difficult. And I think one of the big things that I really took away from, from the sessions and, and sort of trial and error in my own work for this, it's not really working if I don't have a stance. I'm, I'm not a commentator on the market, really. They don't really exist because everybody is biased. We all work for a company. We all have an agenda because we have to sell something because otherwise if we don't, we don't really have a job. So you can't really play that neutrality voice unless for some reason you're, you're able to for a unique set of circumstances. That's not really anybody's circumstance. So you got to have a spin. You got to have a new, you, like a take. I'm a, sometimes I'm cynical. Sometimes I see things and I have a negative point of view on them, and I call things out. Sometimes that doesn't work so good. Sometimes if you're the opposite and you think everything's wonderful, if you're that fanboy or girl when there's a funding round going around some company, you've got one connection at and you're going crazy about it, that can get you some far. But you know you have to have some substance behind that too. At some point, it's really important to have a take. And uh, there was a piece by Lead IQ. A while ago, their VP of marketing or, or chief evangelist now, Ryan, wrote something about brand archetypes. And I, I employ you to go and read that. It gives you nine sort of characters, if you will, to play. And it's not that you should be artificial about it. Pick the one that's closest to you and how you actually are as yourself, out of work, everywhere else in your life. If you can live to that and you can speak like that and you can post like that and you keep that up, you get known for it. And that's when people like Daryl, his persona where he's, uh, he's, you know, he thinks he's funny and those things. People pick up on that and they know what he's about and then they know what to expect. And when you come back and you get the same thing again, it's good. You feel validated and you feel like you can trust him more and you keep coming back. It's the same type of thing. If you resonate with that negative tone or that really positive tone or the expert led tone, whatever it is, you'll come back. So if you have that in your personal brand, you're onto a big, big start. Wow. Look at you. I mean, you were over two minutes, two minutes and 10 seconds. You're getting progressively longer. By the time you hit all six, you're going to run out of time. But right now, you're doing well, my friend. Let's talk about personal brand. You as a sales rep are likely competing against other reps and other companies. And those other reps and those other companies may have greater notoriety or made a greater brand presence. Kind of like, you know, we know Coke, we know Pepsi. Who's three? You know, from I might go Dr. Pepper. Okay. Who's who's next? You know, you see where I'm going with this one? I don't know. So if I'm wanting to enter the drink, the soda drink game, 
I need to build up a brand and to do that, a personal brand, a corporate brand. And I need an attitude. I need, I need something that's uniquely mine. Coke is the real thing. All right. What is yours? For me, my Twitter handle is opinionated. So you'll see a lot of honest, straight talk in what I do. The second thing for me is I'm a bit, as Ali said, because he was totally fanboying on me, is I try to be a bit of a funny, smart ass, in your face, stupid. I don't take myself too seriously. And I like to put people's put laugh, laughter and smiles to people's faces, or they can roll their eyes. And I'm equally happy about that one. And then the last thing I do, my personal brand, is I intentionally have spiky hair and a white beard and blue glasses that are distinguishable as I'm scanning through the timeline. All those are elements, very intentional elements of brand. In fact, if you even look behind me in my video setup, you'll see how my room is somewhat staged between lighting and props to be a distinguishable brand. Ollie does the same thing. So that's what branding is all about so that you stand out so that when you do reach out to these people, even though it may be a cold call or a cold email or a cold connection request, they're already familiar with you and who you are and what you stand for. And they're like taking that call every single time. So, or if they're not sure, they then go check you out online because you called them or you emailed them. They're like, holy smokes, this individual's, you know, ballers. I got to get in contact with this fellow. I like what they're all about. Personal brand, huge. Okay, we're halfway there. Halfway there. Let me pull up the timer again. It closed on me. Okay, I'm ready. Here we go. Three minutes. Next topic is acquisitions go all right so we had a few talks about this not all of it is particularly relevant to a salesperson in most parts but what i did find and what our sales team did actually point out to me as well there's so much that you don't see about the story that a founder spins afterwards and what ha what actually happens like genuinely speaking what is true within a company at any given point and that's just you know fairly obvious if you're struggling or if you're not going to meet payroll next month or you're running out of cash or whatever it is that's not good news. You don't project that. In fact, one of our speakers who I won't like name for their own sake, but they were talking about something completely else. And the day after their talk, they were on Twitter saying that they barely made payroll and they'd only just hired two people two months before that. So that just tells you how difficult it actually is as a founder. And you can't even say any of these things because it looks bad. People start to doubt you and all these things. So there's so much that goes on behind the scenes you wouldn't believe. One of the stories that I had, and I'm so lucky to have met Harpool, who you've got to go and watch his session. The story of his company getting acquired is outrageous. He was about a week away from total failure. He'd borrowed like his parents' money loads of times, like I mean, months on months on months on months, living at home with no rent. I think they even remortgaged, I think, potentially. It was looking really bad, and they were trying their best. They gave it as, as long a time as they could to try and sort it out. It got to seven days out. And the one thing that turned it around, he made one phone call to one deal we'd been chasing. And he just said, honestly, Jane, we're about to hit the wall in seven days. I really think there is an amazing case for us to work together. I would hate for it to go up in smoke, but I understand if the timing isn't right. It, what do you think we should do next? And she said, give me two minutes, I'll call you back. Signed agreement, done. Not every time will it work like that, obviously. And from that moment, he went crazy. The whole company just blew up uh, I think that was a huge moment for them. And about a year later, he was in LinkedIn's office and they bought him. But you didn't hear any of that. All you cared about was LinkedIn acquired him. There was so much before it. So I think the one thing to just remember, when you're trying to talk to CEO, president, founder, whatever it is, especially early days companies, there's a lot more going on than you would even picture. And that's not to insult the intelligence of any salespeople at all. It's just that if you haven't been there, just like me, I haven't been a founder. 
you haven't got a clue, even without knowing if, it, let's say you have been a founder, you don't actually know what's going on on their side too. It all might look great. Yeah, sure, they're hiring, but what else is going on? And that's that's part of your deal cycle. That's part of their decision-making around you. And you'll never, you might not even get told that stuff. So I thought that was worth sharing. It's so interesting how much more happens than you would ever be told unless you hear it from uh, from a session like that. I love what you just said there. That's killer. And uh, the fun part was, was he more exciting? Was he took two minutes and 50 seconds to say that. So he's getting dangerously close to the three minute mark. So with that said, let's carry it on. Let's talk about, again, we talk, Ollie was talking about founders and, and, and how their back was against the wall. Well, the other side of that equation, if it's not acquisition, it's about bootstrapping. So my friend, Let's talk bootstrapping. Go. All right. So same type of thing. There's a few things that salespeople may not have been exposed to or told when it comes to selling to someone of that kind of stature in those early days. When you're bootstrapping, obviously cash is king and queen and prints and everything else. It's finite. You need it and you can't live without it. So any purchase is a massive deal, even if a small one. Thing that thing that I really learned from this, especially when companies start to get going and they start to see a bit of success and things look good, Doubling down on one particular channel which is working is just so obvious. You can't help but do it. And honestly, if you're going to do anything else, you kind of, it's a gamble. Like, you know, if you if you see something's working great, you your natural instinct is let's go down that rabbit hole as far as we can milk it for. And then we'll work out something else when we're sort of profiting from that. Problem is if you're trying to sell something that's not that one thing and it can be very random, so for companies that I've worked for, it could be all kinds of different channels and methods and tactics and whatever it is, almost random. And you don't know until it happens. And that's, that's the beauty of business. But if you're trying to sell something different, you're almost going to get ignored, even if it is the next best thing, even if they are 1% away, even one day away from that thing not working anymore. I remember very well back in the day, talking years ago now, Facebook used to be brilliant for marketers. You used to be able to post on your company page and it would go everywhere. It would go viral as hell. And then one day, without no warning, click, it's all gone. Down to like 5% reach from 100 and something. It was crazy. And a lot of people didn't know what to do. But we have we had no warning. But just like any founder, you won't get any warning when your market changes or anything like that. And when you're trying to sell a secondary way of doing things, a different alternative, a strategy, a plan, you're you're really up against it. So there's, there's always that. You're kind of fighting against deaf ears on that a lot of the time. But, uh, but that was what I found kind of interesting. And then there was a few things about marketing always going wrong. There's a few classic things that, that founders of an early stage always do wrong. But maybe maybe we can talk about that another time, just for the salespeople listening, not to uh, to tell them all about SEO. But that was the main thing. Two minutes and five seconds. You're, getting, you're, you're pulling back. What's really not interesting bad. about the whole bootstrapping thing is it's no different than you're selling, right? Everything you're doing is it's like, how fast can we go? You know, I can't afford a vanilla soft plus a gong plus a Zoom info plus a seamless AI, plus a salesforce.com. So what can I do to really, you know, kick ass and achieve my goals? So love, you know, I'm trying to help you understand that a lot of what founders go through as they try to grow is no different than what sales reps go through as they try to grow. You're both trying to achieve the same thing, which is you're trying to break through the noise of the market. You're trying to get market acceptance and you're trying to hit, you know, aggressive revenue targets so you can then, you know, figure out how to, you know, paint your Lamborghini. Is it in a blue or is it in a green or is it in a yellow? Who knows? So the bootstrapping thing is totally related to sales folks, believe it or not. But finally, we're going to end the conversation on what Aldi learned after 45 talks and 47 speakers at Growth Month 
when it comes to leadership. Go. All right. So this one's particularly pertinent to me. Lots and lots of talks on it. And I've been finding out sort of the hard way, if you will, some of the things that our, that our speakers talked about. One of the massive, massive things is, yep, have a leadership style, have an ethos about how you want to do things, have a way of working and be strong on those. Those are your key principles. You shouldn't budge. And as long as they're not too extreme or different to what the, the team might have been used to beforehand, that's that's your golden thing to, to like put, put your hat on, basically. Around that, every single person on any team, especially if you're a first-time manager or leader, you have to adapt. So me particularly, I am extremely... like driven for certain reasons but not for others i'm really really loyal for certain reasons and not for others so if you if you give me loads of praise that doesn't really do that much to me if you're negative towards me too much that doesn't do anything for me and i'm disengaged again the next person next to me to my right might be the opposite and the person to my left might be the same as them the whole team is very different and if you're trying to do a one size fits all for the team and how you work with them it's not really going to work. It might be okay. It might be close enough for some, but there will be some who it just doesn't work for. And that's a first-time manager's thing that you've got to work out the hard way. Luckily for me, a lot of the talks that we had, were, were they gave away specific examples of that. And a lot of them were about like running a sales team for the very first time. Your top rep, who's a lone wolf, they go and do their own thing. You deal with them differently than you do with the person who needs lots of hand-holding and lots of constant feedback, lots of coaching doesn't mean that either one is better than the other that's just how you have to work with them you do have to pick your battle sometimes especially if that maybe the second person is the top performer great you spend that time with them but not at the detriment of everybody else that's your problem to deal with that side of it just doing your best to make sure the team is good everyone's getting what they need as best that you can it's not really about i like this i'm stylistically looking for this i particularly love to be quite close with all of my team but that might not be what happens and what is best for the team I'm with. And so it's discarding that, looking at what's around you. I think it's a hard lesson to learn, easy to say, but but that's what I got. That's good. And that was two minutes and 15 seconds. So well done, my friend. We're pretty yeah, consistent, aren't we? Without getting buzzed. Yes, you are very consistent, which of course is the sign of a good sales rep. Ollie, we've gone through kind of the the best of the best. You, you've, dis, you've distilled the repository of amazing talks down in these key takeaways. Thank you for that. Now, with that said, uh, tell us a little bit about Vanilla Soft. Tell us a little bit about Auto Close, and tell us where we can reach you. Of course, yeah. Well, first off, thanks for having me back on. Always good fun. Even if I get to give you a little bit of a jab and <laughs> a little bit of an insult here and there, I know it's your favorite sport anyway. To to give me a little bit of a hook, so I like to I like to throw one back. But yeah, so Auto Close was the company that ran the conference, if you will. So AutoClose.com. It's not close with a C. It's close with a K. And if you wanted to take a look at the sessions themselves, it's growthmonth.autoclose.com. Autoclose, cold email, about to be LinkedIn. That's a bit of an exclusive. Maybe I shouldn't have said that, but I just did. And contact data all in one. And then Vanilla Soft, the top sales engagement platform on the market. Need I say me? I'm all over LinkedIn. Trying my best to be a personal brand person. Maybe I'm doing okay. Maybe I'm not. You can tell me. I do Twitter a little bit. Sometimes that's just me being upset about football. There's a lot to be upset about today. My team just lost 4-0. So I won't be tweeting today. My friends will be all over me. But apart from that, yeah, that's that's where I spend my time. It's primarily LinkedIn. Now I have to ask a question every person out there is wondering. And I'm totally putting you on the spot here. I've never asked anybody this question in almost 200 episodes. Wow. We've not talked in a while, Ollie. So are you still single? Oh, this is a difficult one. There's trouble every way I look here. None of your questions have bothered me today apart from this one. I now feel extremely hot and you know it's not even that hot in this room. I'm single and I've been 
dating a little bit. I'm about to buy a house, so that's going to put a big spanner in the works, I believe, I think. It's, I'm going to be moving fairly far away. So it's one of those awkward timings. It's like today got the acceptance on my mortgage. Tomorrow I'll have to deal with all the paperwork, but in September time, August maybe, I might be quite far away. So, so who knows? It's a difficult time and, and it's a difficult one to answer, to be honest with you. So let me make it less difficult. Ladies and gentlemen, he's single. He's about to become a homeowner and he works for Vanilla Soft. He runs growth and he knows what the hell he's talking about. He's my friend. That's Ollie Whitfield. Give him a shout because he's pretty damn good. In the meantime, that's another, if not different, a fun episode this week on the Inside Inside Sales Show. We hope you like the little variety. Mix it up. In the meantime, if you like this one, I've already given you some teasers. There's some great ones coming down the pipe, including episode number 200. We'll be here before you know it. My name is Daryl. We'll talk to you soon. You take care. Bye-bye.